Yeah. Privilege this morning for us to have some special guests with us who have uh, been pastors for many years. And uh, I was sort of getting re- reminded, if I didn't know already, I'm not sure, uh, of some of the journey of these guys. Um, uh, being in Adelaide, then moving down to, to Rogan, uh, Gippsland area, and the ministry they've had down there for many years. But also hearing about how African Action began and uh, the work that God's been doing through them. I was just sharing last night, I hope I don't see you, Thunder, there's over about two and a half million dollars have gone to Africa and through African Action over the last, uh, what is it, 2003 since then. Um, it's amazing what God can do when we make ourselves available to Him. And I've just been encouraged and, and blessed by them so far with our time together. Can we just give them a hand now as Pastor John and Jean come and share with us now. so much. Praise God. You know, <clears throat> some people wonder why after all these thousands of years of mission that missionaries are still needed in the world. Why do Christians go and do things overseas? Why can't these people help themselves? And you know, there's one reason why we can't leave it to the UN, we can't leave it to governments because there's only one person who can change the heart of a human being. And that's Jesus Christ. So many things can be done for people, but if they haven't got Jesus on the inside of their lives, they're not going to do the right thing with that finance that's given to them. And that's what happens in Africa. Much money gets given, but it gets skimmed off the top by people who are not saved, not walking with God, and doing the wrong thing by their own people, just like happens in our own country. Uh, Here in Australia, when people have got everything, they're still diddling us. You know what I mean? There's always cases coming up from our politicians doing the wrong thing. So we can't trust the politicians, amen? We can only trust Jesus. And when God uh, began to speak to our heart about Africa in uh, 2003 and a few years prior to that, we first went there in 1996 uh, on a holiday and we met a lot of Christian pastors and different works there and then we went back and we went back and we went back. We've been there many, many, many times. Prior to that, we were working in Papua New Guinea and uh, the work of God in the Philippines. So we've been involved through our church in Taralgon for many years in missions. And it became just a real passion with us. And when we saw our time of handing the church over came, we knew that we weren't going to stop working in Jesus, but we were going to keep going with this mission. And so we formed uh, African Action and we've been working going there maybe every 12 to 18 months and working with African people. And really God has just blessed us so much, far more than we can ever bless anyone over there. But it's been a thrill to take the message of the new creation to Africa because they were still stuck back in the colonial days with the message that the people took in those days and we were able to Uh, provide them with Bible materials so that their pastors and leaders could be trained. And Pastor Sula, who was mentioned earlier, he's been instrumental in this, just teaching uh, many, many groups from the rural areas and from city areas all across Uganda, bringing people together and teaching the Word of God and teaching Christian leadership. So we just thank God for what he has done through African Action. Uh, We have three works. The first one was in Uganda and uh, we have three churches functioning in Uganda called Gospel Hope Churches, 
and they radiate out and reach out to people in refugee camps. We've got a microfinance uh, program going in a refugee camp that has 50,000 refugees in it that have had to flee from their own countries and can never go back. And so we've got a work going on there, a fellowship established in the refugee camp and a microfinance program going there. So there's too many things to mention at this time. But we just wanted to thank you for inviting us to come to fellowship with you and to meet you and to know that we are all a part of the great body of Christ around the world that is rising up and realising we are the answer to the world because Jesus is the answer to this world. And we are very encouraged even in our elderly years. We got called elderly by a shop assistant in Kmart the other day and it gave us a shock. We thought, oh, did she mean us? This elderly couple need help. I thought, wow, that was the first. <laughs> I guess we've got to get used to it. Um, so we wanted to share particularly uh, just a few things about our work in Kenya. Uh, we started to work with a lady called Consulate Alawatch Muga. God called her down into uh, the far region of Kenya, down near Lake Victoria, which is adjoining Tanzania there. And uh, she went down there as an evangelist many times and then God began to say to her, I have children here that need help and I want you to be the one to rescue the children. When are you going to go and give up your business in Nairobi and go down and rescue the children? And that's what she did. And we met her when she was... Uh, just been doing that for a, maybe a year or two in about 2001 and eventually we bought the property that she was renting for no rent, <laughs> a 4.5 acre property and uh, we met with her and uh, we had two CRC pastors with us at that time and we made a pact with her. We, before the Lord we said we believe that God is going to help us to buy this property and she only had 10 children at that time. Now we've got 47 children living in that home a uh, number of them are in primary, a number of them are in secondary school and we have a corrugated iron school there that is now rusting and wearing out. They can't have any furniture in there because there's no locks, <laughs> there's no doors. And we have about 350 children in that school in Kenya. And uh, we just really like to commend that project to this church. If you could help us to uh, begin to raise finance to be able to build a mud brick school. We bought the block next door to the orphanage uh, and a part of the orphanage is a farm. We've got three cows. Um, the children help in the farm in planting the crops, uh, growing banana trees, growing uh, beans. But very often we get a call and they say, please can you help us? The rains didn't come. The beans haven't grown. And then we've got to send money to buy big bags of beans and big bags of maize to feed the children. And uh, we also have a sponsorship program going for these beautiful children. If you knew the stories, the suffering that children can go through, it breaks my heart as a mother and a grandmother and a great-grandmother. And I say, Lord, let me help these children. We've just rescued a family of eight children from terrible circumstances and a grandmother with two little babies that she was left with, all suffering malnutrition. And we prayed and God answered our prayer. And we had One couple gave us $4,000, another couple gave us $1,000. And we were able to send that money for surgery for a man who'd had compound fracture in his left leg for over 12 months without any medical help. And he's now had surgery. And we've got children that hadn't, were not receiving any socialisation or help. 
they're now receiving help through our orphanage team. We have a team there that the welfare comes and tells them, the neediest families, and our team of Consulate's son, his wife and others go out and visit these families and pray with them and bring them to the Lord. And this Jeremiah had a family of eight children. His wife died after the, two months after the birth of his last child, a little boy. And uh, he has a blind grandmother, a mother, his mother, living there with them. And she is incontinent. She's had a stroke and she's blind. And here are these children trying to take care of this grandmother. Then three days after we left, the eldest girl, 17, because they were so vulnerable, she'd been made pregnant and she died in childbirth, lost her baby. We're seeing most th four of those children now have sponsors, but we still need sponsors. I'm very passionate about this. I know that sponsorship change, changes lives. We've done sponsorship over all these years and now we've got young men and women serving the Lord in churches. We've got young men and women who are mechanics, who are welders, who are making their way in the world because of sponsorship. It's very, very vital and very important. But what we've done is we've open, opened it up from not only sponsorship, because maybe some can't do sponsorship, which is $50 a month. Not everyone can do that. So we're introducing dynamic donors. You can donate any amount on a monthly basis and make that commitment. And these brochures, we're going to send some more. We've run out. Yes, last night at the dinner, we ran out. I've got three of them left, so if you want one, you can have one. But we're going to send some more to the pastor who was there. <laughs> He's not there. Um, so... Praise the Lord. And the Coins for Kids tins, I think our faithful Beryl uh, has continued to uh, represent us here along with others with the Coins for Kids. Uh, if you can put a dollar a day into that can or say $7 a week in coin into that can, by the end of three months, you've really donated. When we received the uh, finance from those Coins for Kids cans from this church, You've no idea what it does to our hearts. We just feel so joyful that you care enough to do that for us. We're here very grateful um, people for the prayers for Africa. They're real people there. They want to serve the Lord. And so often they lack the infrastructure. They sit on wooden benches. They don't have uh, very much in the way of this world's goods but they're faithful and they're serving the Lord. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And my husband's going to come and share the word of God with you this morning. it was um, by a complaint called Preacher's Ponderings. Preached the best sermon. I don't know if it'll come out as good as it, w it was then. It would come <laughs> <clears throat> you think, oh my goodness. And I'm, so I'm thinking, how am I best going to present what I want to say? And um, I came up with something and it's got to be the Lord because it wasn't me, I don't think. And so we'll see how it goes. And Jean doesn't know anything about this. 
<laughs> and I haven't told her, so I'm in for it. <clears throat> About uh, when I was 16, just a few years ago, I was arrested from my education and I began to go to work. That was in uh, 1951. Who remembers 1951? <laughs> that was a good year. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> that was disruptive. I was, uh, you know, reasonably enjoying my school life and suddenly I was uprooted from that and thrust into the commercial world. And at the very same time, in the, another part of the world, across the seas, there was a young girl who was also going through a disruption. Her father had said, we're going to live in Australia. She was not consulted, so she was really disrupted. And she came to Australia. And then around um, six or seven years after she arrived in Australia, she met up with a handsome young fellow. <clears throat> that you all know. <laughs> and uh, that was disruptive as well for both of us, having been used to single life, now having to come together to uh, blend. And uh, that was disruptive, but after 58 years of marriage, that couple reckoned that that disruption was fantastic. <laughs> so my theme for today is not every disruption is disruptive. <laughs> so I want us to embrace as a congregation, Andrew, I want your permission to disrupt this congregation. Bring absolute chaos into the place for you to fix up. <laughs> So I have not the power to disrupt in the way that I want to, only the Lord can do that. And so I'm going to allow his word to settle in our hearts today. And I want him to cause a disruption in all of us. I believe there are people here today who, in a right sense, who need to be disrupted, as I do. Too easily we can fall into a complacency, can't we? And we can know the word of God, we can say the word of God, but is it really impacting our lives? If you've, if you've sort of travelled along the way for a while, you sometimes have the misguided conception that you could perhaps retire. I've tried that a few times. <laughs> it just doesn't work. <clears throat> Particularly when you have a passion burning in your heart. It's not easy to give that away. So, plus the disruptives I'm talking about today, I'm giving you all permission to have a passion. Would you like that? It's a free gift. Permission to have a passion. My theme, I want us to just close our eyes for a moment. My desire today, my strong desire today is, 
and we often hear this said in a glib way, this is not glib, I don't want to be heard today, I want the word of God to bring its convicting power into every life that is within the sound of it. My words are futile. His word is magnificent. His word is a life changer. And I want that life-changing word to go forth today to convict us and disrupt us for the kingdom's sake and for his sake. My theme, think about this. You might think today, oh, I'm just an anyone. That's good because the word says, if anyone is in Christ, they <laughs> are a new creation. What a powerful word that is, a new creation. Behold, all things, old things have passed away and everything's become new and we are a new creation. What does that mean to us? How does that grab you? Is that disruptive or is that disruptive? <laughs> if anyone... That's a great qualifying word, isn't it? If anyone <laughs> is in Christ, they are. They are. It has happened. It's gone. It's finished. It's, it's complete. It's not going to be tomorrow. Well, the next five minutes even, it's done. Can't change that. Don't want to change that. Enjoying that. I'm glad that's disrupted my life. Took hold of me. I've been apprehended. How about you? a new creation that has some implications to us, some obligations to us. That's what I want to just share briefly with you. What does it mean when a preacher takes his watch off and puts it on the pulpit like that? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Do you have a clock? Oh, look, I can hardly see that one. up there. The light's shining too much on that. I can't see that clock. That's it's a shame. <laughs> I want to read, and I'm reading from the New King James. I know that. Did you have the NLT, Andrew? That today? Well, I've got that home, but it's just about fallen a bit, so couldn't bring it. So the New King James. The first scripture I'd like us to look at together. It's a bit hard these days, isn't it? You say, uh, can you look up your, your Bibles, and everybody's got their phones out and everything else. And uh, how are we today? You got a Bible, anybody? <laughs> Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, I just picked uh, uh, some scriptures that I thought were absolutely fantastic in their ability to uh, say things into our hearts. Are you willing to be disrupted today? Don't just say it because I'm asking the question and you think you should do that. I, I, I don't want to know what you're saying actually by voice. I want to know what's in your heart and what God is talking to you about. Because it's an exciting life, isn't it? I wouldn't be dead for quids. One day that'll take place, but it ain't yet. And I think I'll get through 
before. <laughs> well, we've got half an hour anyway, haven't we, or something? Oh, look, it's only 10 o'clock. My goodness. Yeah. That's exciting. That's disruptive. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You know it's going to be very dramatic, and I will be very dramatic, and I was going to come to each section in the congregation. I'm going to read it first for everybody. Verse 19. Paul is saying to us, don't you know, this is this, this section here, hey, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Don't you know, this section over here, don't you know? Is it, is it sunk in yet? Do I have to close my Bible and hit you over the head with it? Mike? No. <laughs> Has it sunk in yet? Don't you know, Paul's saying, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that's in you? You have this from God and you are not your own. Well, that's a nasty thing to say. <laughs> and you are not your own. See, we think we are we're own, our own, don't we? It's my life, it's me, it's my dough, it's my car, it's my house. It's not really. <laughs> but we think that way sometimes. But the word of God, the, the impacting, life-changing, anointed, uh, rock-breaking, fire, the word of God is coming to us today and it's saying, hey, you, anyone's here, I gave you the good nod on the anyone just a moment ago, but everybody that's here, hear this. We don't belong to ourselves. And I hope nobody's got stones up the back in the bucket or anything, have they? <laughs> we are not our own. I am not my own. I'm a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. How about everyone here? Is that disruptive? Or is that disruptive? It is. What does that mean? It, mean I can't it means I can't please myself anymore. But what I do will please me because it pleases him, because I have submitted, I've waved the white flag and said, okay, that's how it is, that's how it is. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. I don't want to do anything about it. I want to be totally committed to you, Lord, and I'm trusting you till the end of my life, till I've run out of breathe. I'm not my own. I'm just not my own. It doesn't mean I've gone loopy. <laughs> I'm just not my own. So if I'm not my own, I must not just seek to please myself. I must seek to please him who's made me a new creature. For you were bought at a price. We were all bought at a price. Therefore, 
glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Next scripture is, I thought Andrew was going to pinch my thunder. And he said, let's turn to Hebrews. I've got the next chapter. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10 follows on from what we've just been saying. And Andrew has, in the communion message, gave us a comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant. And so to Jesus in this passage here that we want to look at, Hebrews 10 and verse 5. This is talking about Jesus. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. And by that will, his will, his desire, his appreciation of what God needs and what he doesn't need, by that will, we have been sanctified. See, we are in union with Christ. We are one with Christ. We are the same as Christ. His will was, Lord, you don't want people just to perform for you, to follow some rituals of what is right and what is not right. Andrew's pressed that again. You're a good man, Andrew. You said, you know, you may be struggling here today. You haven't done the right thing. That's good. I probably haven't done that all day this morning. My wife reminded me I hadn't. (laughs) Don't let's get caught up in the performance trap. Jesus said, you didn't want that, God. You don't want that strict religious thing. Can't do anything or can't move anywhere. I might do something wrong. Whatever you do in the name of the Lord is okay with him. He's, he's a freedom God. He's given us each permission to have a passion. Permission to have a passion. You know where that came from, Andrew? You mightn't have been there. <laughs> I copied it. It's Gary Rucci. <laughs> Permission to have a passion, and I've shared that with people. You know, I've just spent uh, five one-and-a-half-hour sessions with some interns in our church in Warrigal uh, trying to get them to discover the will of God for their life. That's exciting. So that's seven-and-a-half hours, and we, got, we did get there. 
and I had some notes I prepared and, and I've, I've sent those notes to India by mistake. No, not by mistake. <laughs> a man that we've contacted out of the blue, an Indian pastor, and he thinks it's all right. And I've sent him quite a few things. I send them to the guys in Kenya and, and it's exciting. So I've, my passion, one of my passions that I've got permission for is to endeavour to teach people how to find the will of God for their life. I think that's the most important thing. As soon as you become a Christian, get stuck into trying to find out what it is that God wants you to do. That makes sense. If, we go, if we're not our own, we've got to be somebody's. We may as well be God's. And if we're going to do that, we better find out what he wants us to do so we can fit in and do it. I want you to see yourself in a different shape than what you are when you looked in the mirror this morning. I want you to see yourself as a jigsaw piece. And I'm not going to tell the dad joke about the jigsaws and the Irishman, okay? You don't, you don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> you don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> You have to come to La Porquetas. <laughs> I'll shout, all right. <laughs> I don't know where I was. I want, to, I want to see you to see yourself as a jigsaw puzzle. What do you know about a jigsaw puzzle piece? Different shapes. I was one of the things I was going to do this morning to have four people come up here and say, Now, what do you notice about these four people? And you would all say, They are all different. And I say, Yes, that's correct. Uh, one of you guys sit down over there, and there's three left. Now, form a square. And then I'd say, What's wrong with this square? Oh, there's a piece missing. Come and stand up here again, sir. Where are you going to stand? How do you like that? Was that all right? So what happens with a jigsaw piece is that they're all different shapes but they all fit in to make a picture. And when they're all fitting in to make the picture, they not only make the picture and it looks good, they are each interacting with the next piece so that there's an influence, there's a unity, there's a community. All the body working together. So you want to be a jigsaw piece? Good. And come to La Porquetas to hear the rest. <laughs> Jesus said, I have been, a body has been prepared for me to offer. Guess what? Guess what? A body has been prepared for us. We can see it. For what reason? To serve the Lord. Not to be caught up in the performance trap or did I did it yesterday okay but not so good today so oh, woe is me, alas. No. God has taken care of failure but he's also taken care of success as well and so we just have to be in his flow, in his spirit. He's prepared a body for each one of us sitting here today to offer to him He's not interested in religion or burnt offerings or sacrifices in that sense. But Jesus said, as I have been sent, so send I you. So we are moving around in this body. That's why we look after this body, don't we? 
Not too many McDonald's meals. Just enough. <laughs> Just enough. Look after it. It's got to last. John, John chapter 4. Oh, it's 10.30. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. You find that okay? This is the story of the woman at the well. We're going to read from verse 27. At this point, the disciples came back from where they'd been to see Jesus and they, were mar they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That was a smart thing for her to say, wasn't it? But did you notice she left her water pot? Now, the water pot in those days to this lady was like a badge. Very, she was, she was almost welded to it. That was her. That was her identity in a sense. And she was so disrupted, she left it behind. And she was wired to go down into the city and see the folks and give them the good news. But she left her water pot. And in the meantime, the disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. And uh, I understand that the actual initial language is saying, come on, eat, eat, eat. You'll faint, you'll die, you'll do something. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And they said, who's been down the 7-Eleven and got him something? He's... He said, I've got food that you don't know anything about. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know what he was really saying? I've come to do the will of God and it is so satisfying that I'd rather do it than eat. Now, I've not got to that stage yet. <laughs> so that's the only excuse you're not going to go down to La Porquette is that you've got to the place where you don't care and you're going out on the street and you're going to witness. I'd rather do this than eat. And there's been times, and, and I... Yeah, you've got to be honest, don't you, amongst a group like this, that we're not always as passionate or as fervent as we should be, even though we believe that we've found what the will of God is for our life. But we're getting there. God is a gracious God. And if I've got... Yeah, I might have time to say this. I've just... I'll, I'll try and just give you the headlines. <clears throat> I work as a nurseryman 
for a number of years and I still, plants are in my blood. If, you want, if I say to you, where do you live? All you've got to say is, what's in your garden? I'll find the house. And if it's got leaves on it, that's me. And so I worked in the nursery, and uh, that was a long time ago. And I, <clears throat> there was the owner of the nursery had a son. I only just met the son probably when he was a little toddler because I left that place and went elsewhere and over to Victoria from Adelaide. The other day I looked up on the Google the, uh, the nursery where I used to be, the address, and uh, I couldn't work out whether it was a bomb had hit it or what, but it was just didn't seem to be the same. But I, looked, I kept looking further and there was an email came up and it had the son's name on the email. So I emailed him and I found out that the, my boss had passed on and, and the wife, she'd passed on. Ian was now 55 and he's still alive. And, but he'd had to close the nursery down. But I was, I'm pursuing him. I've got permission to have a passion about him in the sense that he had made a start with the Lord and he's since quit. And uh, these things just come out of the blue, don't they? If you want to flow with God, he brings all sorts of things to, you, to pass and, and he makes you feel very disrupted in a good way. So I don't know what the story's going to be, the, out, the outcome of that, but I'm pursuing that. And that's satisfying. That's having a permission to have a passion and that's, that's, that's almost better than eating. <laughs> Let me just uh, close with this last scripture. It's found in Philippians. If something I say doesn't make sense, that's okay. That's just me, all right? So you can talk to me afterwards. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. And uh, verse um, <clears throat> 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I guess now I'm touching on our passion for Africa and the mission field. Let me read that again. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than himself. It's, that's disruptive. That shouldn't be in there. Tear it out. Make it a real holy Bible. <laughs> let each of you look not, on, not only on his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then over in the same chapter in verse 19, this is Paul expressing his passion. But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded, no one. Paul, how many, how many guys did Paul know in the ministry? Have a guess. But I have nobody, he said. This is the scarcity of this disruption. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. 
not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I, can, as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. I've tried to gather some scriptures that, that are passionate about this desire to do the will of God. See, each one of us are going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's called, in Greek, it's called the Bema seat. It's not going to, we're not going to be judged as if we are worthy to go to heaven or not. That's settled. But we're going to be judged by what we have done in the body, it says, in this body that's been prepared for us to offer. What have we done in this body? Has it been profitable for the kingdom or not profitable for the kingdom? There's no doubt about it, we're going to heaven. There's, no, there's nowhere else to go. But it's, what have we done in the time that has been given to us? And I'm not putting a guilt trip on anybody or myself, but what have we done? We've, have, we've had opportunity to, to do things for God because we're not our own and we're a new creation. We've been, had Christ's righteousness imputed to us. Boy, that's disruptive. <laughs> We've got access to God through grace. Heard a good, good definition of grace. It's not the usual one, you know, that uh, God gives grace to the humble and, and not to the proud. That's true too, but grace is, the, is access to God which he himself gives us. And the ticket is imputed righteousness. Righteousness has been charged to our account. And we have to reckon it so. So my prayer is today, let's just pray. My prayer is today, Lord, let us be willing to be disrupted for your sake. Father, I pray that as we've shared your word, trust with some passion and, and allowed your Holy Spirit to come and settle in our thinking, in our minds today. I just pray, Father, that we would be so willing to say, Heavenly Father, because of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit of Christ that has been sent to this earth, we want to embrace disruption from your hand. And we're not only willing, we want it to take place. It's imperative that it takes place so that we can feel what you feel. And strange as it may seem, we can do the things that you can do because they come from your hand. As we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the, the pleasure of our hearts. Let us be fulfilled, Father, in the mighty commission that you have begun. And Father, 
let us all seek your face as we take the command to address the harvest time. What is it that you want each one of us to do? Lord, we embrace your disruption to show it to us. You're not a teasing God who says things and says, oh, this is what it is, but you're not going to get there. That's not you. That's not our Father. That's not the Holy Spirit. Lord, bring us into your banqueting table at this time to partake of the good things you have for us to share right at this moment because as anyone's we qualify to be new creations and you have prepared a body for us to offer until we're taken from this earth thank you father in jesus name god bless you thank you thank you pastor andrew you can remove this uh, Hannibal Lecter thing here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it on for a second. <laughs> can we just pray now for, for Pastor John and Jean? Um, we interrupt ourselves with some prayer. What a great thing to interrupt ourselves with. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Mm. God, Lord, we just thank you for Pastor John and Jean. We thank you, Lord, for the, the many years they have served you, Lord, the, for the many, many lives that uh, they have touched with your word. And God, we just thank you for the work of African Action. And Lord, we just thank you for all the lives that it's affecting even today, Lord. Those that are going to wake up in the morning and uh, are going to be blessed by the, the work of African Action even today, Lord. I just thank you, God, for every child, every, every adult, every, uh, for the school, for, the, for the, the children's home. Lord God, we just thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, we just pray that, Lord, for African Action, for here in Kayak, Lord, that you would raise up more and more workers for the harvest, Lord. Lord God, you would help us to, to realize that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price. That Lord God, we would stand for you, we would stand for your glory. That Lord, we would know that you've called us and what you've called us to. And we just thank you, Lord, for... And we pray that with them, Lord, that you would do that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank Amen. You. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. I was just thinking about some, some disruptions that have happened in my own life. And uh, uh, I remember when I was about 14 years old, I was at an uh, event in Melbourne called Youth Alive. Some of you may know what that is and have been to that. And uh, I was there and they were about to do some more songs and like, then we were going to go home, but then they had an altar call and said, who wants to come down the front and give their life to Jesus? And, and it was an interruption. It's like, hang on, but then I might miss the next song. I, might, I didn't really think about that. But um, it was a disruption just to stop and, and, and to actually get to that point of giving my life to Christ. And I think of other times in my life, I was in year 12 and I, I felt God call me to go to Papua New Guinea for two weeks and it was a disruption to my schooling that teachers weren't very happy about, but uh, we negotiated and I went. And I, I can't think of a time when my life has been disrupted by God when it hasn't been a great thing. And I just want to encourage you to step out in, into whatever God disrupts you with. Um, you'll be blessed. Others will be blessed. God's church will be built up and, and, and encouraged as you do. Um, I was thinking of Josh sharing at Cafe Church last week. It was a disruption to Josh's week when I said to him, Hey, Josh, do you want to share at Cafe Church? But he blessed us as he stepped out in obedience. 
Awesome.